Okay, guys, Lamlekum, and welcome to another episode of Third Eye Open. And I'm really excited today. We have an amazing guest here, Amina Babika, who is the director at Rumi's Cave. It's going to be really, really interesting. So I hope that you enjoy and you listen in. Okay, great. Well, Salam Alaikum, Amina. Mashallah, thank you so much for you know giving up your time to be part of um, this podcast. I'm really excited to have you here. So I um, hope that you're feeling relaxed. I'm feeling very relaxed. Alhamdulillah, so mashallah. To be here and to have this conversation. You're welcome. Okay, so Bismillah, let's get straight into it. So, so tell us, what's room? What what is Rumi's cave? Every like a uh, lecturer or anyone that I respect or elder always starts with the name of Allah and uh, salawat upon the praise of Prophet Muhammad. So that we start off with the with the right words and the right intention. Mm. Um, so Rumi's cave is a um, third space. It's a place that grew very organically. Um, people might know it now from its centre based in um, northwest London, Carlton Vale, um, South Kilburn. Uh, but our original abode used to be in Wilston Lane, South Kilburn as well. So it's a, a space that I would say isn't um, one that is attached to the mosques and one that isn't attached to any kind of academic institution. Uh, um, what I mean by that is it's um, it doesn't have any ties or any political like um, opinions that make it what it is or it doesn't have any backing by any sort of any group it's actually just like the brainchild of uh, Sheikh Babika who wanted to emulate uh, the works of uh, the Sufi lodges of the past that looked after um, the most vulnerable in society, whether that was through food, care, or um, just having a welcoming, open door policy. So Rumi's Cave is that third space that sits somewhere in the middle, open to all, open for people, again, following those Sufi tekkes lodges of the past that is there for people who are who need a community who feel maybe ostracized who might be struggling with their identity who um might just need like a smiling face or just actually an escape from kind of the crazy uh everyday uh, work grind you know, the, the nine to five, or should I say, I don't even think it's nine to five anymore. It's like the nine to seven, nine to 10 sometimes work Ooh. hustle. Um, so that was the principles in which the cave was established, yeah. Okay, great, thank you. Very interesting. So how did the idea of it come about? Um, it's kind of like a uh, interesting story. Um, and I kind of have to go right to the beginning, so bear with me because it's a bit of a long one. Oh, no, no, we've got time. <laughs> Miss me now. We've got time. But um, basically, uh, Rumi's Cave was, its umbrella charity is called All for Aid. Um, and All for Aid was a international relief charity set, set by Sheikh Babika. And the charity was meant to, and Sheikh is someone who is like was known in the community and was uh, the spiritual director of um, Yusuf Islam School, uh, Islamia. He was also one of the first people in the UK, UK da'wah scene to have a circle in Central Mosque. Um, so he's known and respected in the community. Alhamdulillah, taught Arabic and Quran to many people. Obviously, he was your teacher, Rakeen. Yes, alhamdulillah. Yeah, alhamdulillah. So um, he set up this charity because actually there were a lot of people that would ask him. He's from Sudan, uh, and people would say, "Do you know uh, how I can like give some money to people?" Uh, and sometimes he would take that money himself with his hands and make sure that it was given to people in need, um, the most poorest in society, um, orphans, uh, widows, 
issues, things like that. And also the focus was on building like prefabricated structures uh, for people who needed like homes, uh, especially due to like um, disaster reliefs. But my father, uh, I didn't explain, he's also my father. <laughs> Chef Rebecca, maybe the name was a hint. But my father, like, he didn't want to just, like, see money sit in an account. He wanted it to be tangible where he would take something and and actually give it straight away. Um, so this is where Ulfa came. So he, alhamdulillah, was able to support, like, the Bandit Aceh when the disaster happened there, Japan, the tsunami in Kashmir, and the earthquake, things like that, that, that have taken place. Um, and to build temporary structures or even permanent structures uh, for people who were left homeless and, and, and abandoned at that time. And, and he tried to kind of, the name Ulfa means to like unite people and hearts. So I think, you know, there's a lot of people who get helped by the government or who get helped via like certain um, groups who might have like a, a political connection. Um, but sometimes it's the most poorest who kind of get left behind in society because they don't have any affiliation or a community that they, you know, really connect to. So um, that was that was the focus of Ulfa is just to um, to support those. Um, and then what happened is Sheikh had been doing that for let's say a couple of years prior to 2011, and he. Uh, wanted to continue that good work and maybe have a shop now that time this was like the 2000s internet cafe let's have a cafe let's get some revenue where we can like have people on the computers and then maybe some of that money can go towards some of the international relief and and at the time they were doing projects like um walks up the mountain to uh to raise money and things like that and this is early 2000s so um, that was going on and uh, so the the shop was was uh, the premises was got for Rumi's cave, and the name Rumi's cave actually came from Sheikh as well because he was inspired when he was in Pakistan because he's he's invited from many delegations as well around the world to like talk about Islam and UK da'wah um, and uh, his perspective on on um, madrasas and schooling systems. He. Uh, he basically went to a, a place in Pakistan where he saw like young academics and intellectuals in Pakistan, um, not inside the masjid, but talking about Islam in a really refreshing way in a space called Rumi's Cafe. Mm. And he really liked the way that these people... In Pakistan? In Pakistan. There was a, there was a place called Rumi's Cafe? Yeah. Um, and he, he... It wasn't obviously similar to so much to our model that right, now exists right. yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It, he liked the idea that mm. it wasn't in the masjid mm. and he thought that the name was really powerful and, mm. and uh, yeah so from there he decided to tweak it and mm. then call it Rumi's cave, cave. Right. Uh, obviously uh -huh. with the understanding of the Prophet Sallam who, who sought refuge in the cave uh -huh. and the cave being a place of introspection right. yes, and, yes, and, yes. And, and isolation and being closer to your creator um so that was that and then so he came back and he uh he asked me and uh one of my friends at the time zara to, to kind of look for a space mm. in um a small like shop mm. that maybe we could do, have like a cafe internet cafe uh, setting and then from there the what happened is we had all the computers we had the cafe we had a counter with the cafe but the model didn't work like that way mm. what happened is the people that came to the door mm. actually kind of changed the whole vision of the space mm. because we realized there was so much need for support in this country like there were people coming into the doors who were asking for like food packs people refugees who were asking um honestly very organically were asking for helps with like maybe like uh, forms or helps Ooh. with their passports or you know how they could apply for passports in this country or documentation then we had like low-income families very isolated mothers so um we decided to focus our efforts on on the people that came and and support their needs so we took away all the furniture mm. um and and th at that point 
we I, I think the first ever event we had mm. and I always have to give a shout out is the Pearls of Islam. Oh wow. So the Pearls of Islam They were the first They were event. the first event and this wasn't Marshall. with Sakina and I'll they explain. Were... So basic and I always say the Barakas started with them. Marshall. So basic and if people don't know Pearls of Islam they're a, they're two amazing wonderful sisters Ooh. who have done so much for the community. They do Ooh. amazing events and uh Sakina was running the spiritual dialogue society in SOAS and she was studying at SOAS at oh, the time. Yes. So they would yes. they would bring a lot of like scholars yeah, and yeah, teachers yeah. to do vikirs right. and things like yes. that. Yes. And so they wanted to do a screening of the blessed tree. Ooh. And I remember like we had all the bookshelves and mm. the computers and we just made it like really cute and put candles mm. and things like that. Yeah. And then they wanted to hire out the space because yeah. obviously they heard about it from that Sheikh had set up the space. Yeah. Yeah. And I said to them, it's like you can come but like I'm sorry like we'll, we'll do the event but mm. there's no one really managing it because mm. at the time I was working in my architecture job wow. so um, I was working full time there wow. and then I was like to them but I can help um, and, mm. and at the time the space was only really open mainly in the evening for events mm. and weekends so they did the first event then it was really popular mm. and that's how we got uh, Sakina our first uh Manager, first manager and the first kind of uh, yeah wave of Ooh. baraka. That is so interesting. Really, interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um. So, did you ever think it would be such a great success? But first of all, just to say, that, actually, before even that question, actually, the number thing that came to mind is like just if you can re- just reflect on the idea that um. So, the cave, you had one idea, yeah. okay, and then afterwards, you know, Allah had another idea for it. Completely. To mm. so just reflect on that, it's, it's so amazing. Uh, so, so, as you said, you had one business model, yeah, and then you, you completely changed it because of the people that came. Yeah, and I think that's like all the uh, third spaces that we were inspired by, or it, uh, Islamic institutions like Zaytuna, Tatlib Institute, you all would listen to their very like grassroots stories of having these smaller spaces, <clears throat> excuse me, and Allah, like, you know, given that barakah, that initial jama'a group of people, and how, you know, that intention then propelled something different, Ooh. or how they plateaued onto something else. But, you know, everyone speaks very fondly of that first space. Yes. But, um, I didn't really elaborate and I just wanted to say like I told you that like, we called it Rumi's Cafe but yes. actually we we talked we, we called it Rumi's Cave also mm. because Sheikh also understood that um, Rumi as a 13th century like scholar Islamic mm. jurist was someone that was very well, well respected in, in, in Western society oh, you know because of his clever. because of his poetry yes because of his um, his uh words on community cohesion understanding the self um you know all all the great leaders of the past have always talked about to better society you have Mm. to better yourself first Mm. you know so um rumi is like the master of of these uh parables that he he talks about so alhamdulillah um, Sheikh understood that, and, and Jalaluddin Rumi was at the time. I'm not aware now, but he was the the, um, the best-selling poet in the Western yes. world. Mm. Um, so the the, the the name of the cave and, yeah. and Rumi kind of yeah. so came from that. Okay, yeah. great. Yes. Uh, so, did you ever think it would be such a great success? Um, Subhanallah. I, I, you know, you don't like equate it with success. Like it's, it sounds like such a uh, hippie thing to Sufi hippie thing to say. Like we didn't think about the success, but when we, um, so I was saying how like uh, Sakina and Rabi were the first people to do an event at the cave. At that time, like I had to call uh, Sakina in. Mm. Uh, well, actually, so what happened is like, I was I was talking to people on the phone and then yeah. Sakina, I think, maybe got hold of me somehow to speak to dad. And I said, yeah. oh, I'm sorry, I didn't get back to you. Yeah. We're looking for a manager at the yeah. space. I was sort of running, I was only running my dad's events right. at the time. Right. And I, I was doing like the graphics for right. like, um, mm. for the cave. Mm. And then that's how she came involved. Mm. And I, I, can, I can't equate cave success without 
some of the initial people who who came and planted the seeds like mm. Sakina yeah like Sakina so when my when my dad was speaking to Sakina he said just bring the people yeah that was his like first instruction <laughs> that's all he said and then she was the one who like took away all the like furniture she took away all the computers with me and then we went to Ikea I remember the first like mats we brought yeah and like uh, then we put it all on the floor mm. and then designed the space together and then mm. like painted it teal and put mm. quotes on the wall of Rumi and then Sakina just managed through like her creat- creativity but also like she's mashallah Sakina is like so good with people she's so mm. personable and she was able to like make these like kind of bespoke events that were just like it's funny because like it felt it feels like they were always there like do you remember a time like you felt like they always felt like they were happening Mm. that's what was so strange about cave actually like you realize that at the beginning that they were so popular but you felt like it never did not exist Mm. so it kind of resonated but maybe that's just because of the alhamdulillah like the love of of the deen and the love of the, the of the message of the Prophet Sallallahu and, yes, and, and and the words of Jalaluddin Rumi as well like echoed in the Prophet Sallallahu so um, yeah so I, I think that so a lot of that success had to come with Sakina and mm. her vision yes. for like that so that's how Sakina came and she brought a lot of creatives into the space Sakina's yes. a she comes from the duo Poetic Pilgrimage, pilgrimage. and mm-hmm. she's a excellent poet mm-hmm. and she used to lead uh, many workshops on poetry and you're a yes. poet yourself Rakeen yes I'm doing um, that. Alhamdulillah uh-huh. so you know uh, so she brought like a lot of you a lot yes. of creatives back into the space and uh-huh. you know Rumi himself is a creative in his poetry and I think that synchronicity of like poetry art mm. and being a muslim sometimes in the early 2000s was not seen like do you yeah. know what i mean it was hard to be a muslim creative mm. um but then there was also the intellectual side as well mm. where we had like talks on philosophy yes understanding who we are right? yes. our identity interspersed mm. with like supporting uh, the most vulnerable so mm. that's when the sector of Rumi's kitchen opened up. Oh yes. So we started to like again um, look after the homeless, mm. look after the most vulnerable. Um, but I'll talk about that a bit later because right. that's another yes. chapter. Um, and then together, me and Sakina started to design more programs, and mm. we started to think, what can we do to bring the people? So we started to do courses with Sheikh Rabika, like yeah. the secrets of Yasin. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, like also the 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 baraka of books like Sheikh Hamza Yusuf purification of the heart oh, which yeah, like for us yeah. like yeah, 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 we grew yeah, up on like yeah, Sheikh Hamza yes, Yusuf like yes. like YouTube videos yeah. and things like that so drawing people back to that uh, the core message of, of the deen the Islam, Islam and um, um, understanding our place in, in, in society when everything can be very Ooh. very difficult your identity here but yeah. then you may be working in a non-Muslim environment and yeah. you don't really show your Islam so much so who yeah. are you and and yeah, so the I, I have to say that the cave came from Sakina, right. and then the subsequent managers who came later, who all interspersed in a, many things. So Abbas yeah. came in and brought a lot of the intellectual side, philosophy, yes. things like that, and and the other managers. Yeah. Great. So, how was the cave looked at um, by other Muslims? And the reason I'm asking this question is because. Um, it's a different kind of space it's not the mosque it's not the masjid it's a different type of space a very artistic, creative intellectual as well kind of space spiritual kind of space, all of that together so um, you know, how is it looked at by you know, other Muslims? So I think when the cave first started, um, it was, <laughs> I don't think it was looked at like favorably. I mean, it was and wasn't like amongst like the millennials. Yeah. Uh, it was like people loved it. Like, mm. and also like, you know, the older generation as well. But I think there was also like whispers like, oh, so much free mixing mm. in this small enclosure and what yeah. they're doing there. And they're just talking about poetry and, you know, but like actually Shah's vision was beyond that because he would say to us like, well, you go on the train mm. and the person you sit next to is a, mm. ma- is a man or exactly. a woman or you exactly. go in the university lecture hall exactly. and the person next to you is a... So if exactly. you're so obsessed with that idea... Yeah. Or you, it, it would, the greatest example is, of course, the, 
the Haramain. If you're yes. there and you're next to the most holiest sites and you're next to men and women, you can't con- control your desires. Yeah. Like, what's wrong with having an Islamic environment where we're following that original mm. uh, Medinan Meccan model? You know, mm. it just. In fact, that that if we have such strong opposition to um, the male and female to to not be together, we create. Mm even more tension and, and issues yeah. in society where we can't communicate and solve things and people in the west will look at us strange like um so he made that space um so that alhamdulillah that people can gather together mm. and and learn and also be in that environment um alhamdulillah so at the beginning it was it was it was a little bit i can't say a lot but yeah. it, was, it was little whispers of like stuff for a lot right and but then I think when people saw how people were mashallah learning so much about their faith mm. and really like um, even going into a more creative fields like some famous I know when Abbas was the manager mm. like he had people that he was running open mic as well and yeah. there were some people who went national on you know mm. and were great like poets and were on national mm. platforms yeah. from the space that small space and they started off there. Um, so, <clears throat> not even just in the creative sphere. I think the biggest opening for people was the service where we were looking after the most vulnerable. So, Rumi's kitchen, and I yes. can kind of go into the yeah, story yeah, about yeah, that yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. So, I was I was saying that like a lot of people organically came to the door, mm. and they were asking for food packages and mm. things like that. And we had a manager at the time, Suzanne. And, oh yes. Yeah, and Suzanne. Again, I was like. It's kind of weird because, like, I wasn't the manager then, but yeah. I was kind of still the manager yeah. as yeah. well, like, uh-huh. doing all the retreats and events and all the graphics for everything. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, alhamdulillah. So, Suzanne, again, was uh, one of the first managers for... Uh, the first manager for Rumi's Kitchen. And Sheikh mm. had this idea because we told him what was happening. He said, let's not... Um, not include our masjids like we don't have mm. a commercial kitchen because we had a very small the first case mm. very small like yeah, it was yeah, two yeah. rooms yeah yeah it was tiny yeah it's oh two gosh. rooms yeah uh, i can't i can't remember the exact square footage but it's like two small rooms yeah like two living rooms that's mm. basically the size of, of small cave yeah. that packed hundreds of people but, but when you think about it now yeah that, that tiny space and it had hundreds there yeah, alhamdulillah, and, and lots of baraka, lots of Ooh, lots of beautiful moments yeah. there. So, um, so he understood that like we didn't have the capacity to serve people there. So he said, let's not. And this is again, alhamdulillah, the vision of people who who don't isolate anyone in society. And you know, I think this is why you need your elders to, to give that advice as well, yes. because he said it's not like we were just this young space and it's like let's not engage with the masjid it was mm. like they have a facility that we can use mm. the, their commercial kitchen mm. and we can show them that we're as young people mm-hmm. can support the most vulnerable in society mm. so uh, Sheikh being a Sheikh obviously mm. and leading uh, uh, the Juma in Cricklewood Masjid mm-hmm. in London he reached out to the management and said we wanted to do serve the homeless yeah. and then they accepted which was very gracious of them because at the time I don't think I know of any masjid in London that was doing I could be wrong mm. could be mistaken this is like early 2010 mm. um, so uh, Mosque were the first masjid to let us do that and we the whole thing that we wanted to do was to be like the tekes of the past the Sufi lodges of the past that give back to people but with dignity so it wasn't just like the soup baked kitchen where you get a plastic container it was like a three course meal where you have cutlery where you are served upon where we would serve you food but we would also eat with you Mm. so the food that is good for you is good for us and we can talk with you make you feel you know and, and have a like a friendship like yeah. me and me and my colleagues now like we don't call um them oh just the people who walk in or you know mm. the homeless we call mm. them guests mm. they're our guests yeah. they're our friends they've become yeah. our friends mm. so mm. that that's the term we like to refer uh, the, mm. them to um but it's a very nice term actually guests yeah they it, are. Gives, it, it makes such a difference yeah alhamdulillah yeah, than just the homeless or the refugees or you yeah know, yeah and 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 that warmth mm. that alhamdulillah again Suzanne cultivated and she left shortly after um, it, I think again it's the intention mm. all these things happen because of the intention, intention. Yeah. 
and even when like because you know we're not perfect we made mis- m- we've made mistakes mm-hmm. it's about reinstating that intention yeah. like okay alhamdulillah like people feel really more ha- like happy and relaxed in this environment um, and a lot of people did say say to us that they felt that Rumi's cave was like really welcome Rumi's kitchen was really welcome Rumi's mm. cave and, and you have to reflect to yourself like well, like, there's a lot of spaces given food but what is it about kitchen and cave that make people feel so comfortable mm. and it's it's the way you make people feel it's such yeah. a human basic concept like you treat people with dignity yeah. you know you don't treat them like an accessory or like a mm. burden when they come in you know you so so that's how um, Alhamdulillah Kitchen came about we were able to engage with the masjids and and then from there the kitchen grew Alhamdulillah so now we, we, we're providing a hot meal three course meal every Saturday a Sunday in Crickwood Mosque that started uh, it used to be once a month then it turned to fortnightly now it's weekly and now we at one point we had three masjids so it was Crickwood Halston Omar Masjid and the Kosovan Albanian Centre um, and then from there, um, Rumi's cave has evolved. Like we don't, we're not in that small cave space. Mm. And again, I can speak about that a bit later. Yes, okay, inshallah. Very, yeah, really interesting. Um, so okay, we actually talked about like all of the, the groups that we, we talked about that benefit there, like the, you know the homeless and stuff. Okay, but um, other than the homeless. Because we talked about the homeless, we talked about you know like you know um, refugees. Which other groups would you say actually benefit from the cave? So it's that's uh, a bit of a difficult question because it's really funny. Like if I was to talk to my co- like me and my colleague, when we Glyza, she's amazing. Oh yes, Glyza. Yes. Well, you need like a whole hour to talk about Glyza, yes, and I think yeah. that if you were to talk to any of the staff mm. they've all got an amazing story how they ended yes. up at the cave yeah, even yeah, though yeah, when you yeah, came yeah, back started yeah. back at cave like yes, you know yes. i've mm. known you since yeah. i was a little <laughs> child and then my dad taught you and then now you're yes. the spiritual director yes. at the center alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. Um, yeah so uh it's it's a, it's a full circle um but i would say that in terms of which group benefits me me and Gliza, yes. we would say to each other mm. Um, I would tell her about oh this person's coming to cave mm. and she's like who's that person mm. and I was like you know this person he mm. goes to this event and yeah. she's like I've never heard of them I've never seen them before because there's so many events that happen yeah. there mm. are sometimes like we work we used to well we do work long hours and things yeah. that you can miss complete groups yeah. of people yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. alhamdulillah over the years like it's become so diversified in the events we do mm. like obviously services are at the core of everything mm. and creativity um, but you can come for film night you yes. can come for poetry yes. you can yes. come yes. for an Islamic lecture you can yes. come for breakfast club mm. you can come for you know just to chill you can yeah. come for mental health matters yes. so sometimes I'm not sure what benefits the most because mm. I would I, I would say like me and Gliza we will say to each other now like we feel like feeding people is easy mm. because you know it's just it's food but actually yeah. what what's the biggest thing I would say it's isolation mm. and um, we I would say that maybe people who might come and study in this country might not yeah. have a community yeah. or even just people who you know were born here and then they, they feel like you know you, you go through life like making certain friends or mm. you feel like oh that's it like that you know and those are the only friends you have yeah. but actually when you come into cave you can make new friends yes. or you might just feel like isolated in your workplace so mm. I think the cave is kind of um, a little bit like the Lonely Hearts Club as well so mm. like sometimes like it, it breaks through that and a lot of people have found a home and yeah. a lot of people have got married from that space Mashallah. like I think I was, I was saying to Gliza I'm sure it must be under 50 couples Subhanallah. or maybe Subhanallah. more you know yeah you know that it's funny there's one program I think it's Cheers <laughs> I think it's cheers, and it says like you have this thing. I want to go to a place where everybody knows my name. I think it's cheers. Yeah. It just so that that's when I think about the cave. That's what I think. I think because people when they come to the cave, you know, they like it when people know them. Yeah. And when they when they're greeted, 
And also, what I found about the cave, actually, which is really interesting, that people come from far. Sometimes I say to them, where do you come from? They say, oh, I come from Luton. You come from Luton? Yeah. I, say, I come from... People, they travel... You know, so I remember some coming from Burma. Yeah, I came from Birmingham. And I say to them, why have you come from all that way? There's no place like this. Oh. And I just feel, you know, so comfortable here. Then that's what I find beautiful. And I, 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 I agree with you when we say, you know, who benefits. You can't really say, you know, who benefits. But then, what I find interesting as well. One of the things I always tell people is that uh, it doesn't matter what state of Islam you're at. Yeah. Right. The cave is open for you. So there's some people they're not even they don't even practice. There's some people they don't even pray. And they don't even go to the mosque, but they will come to the cave and they will feel, actually, I feel accepted here. No one's judging me. No one's looking down on me. Look, I can, you know, I can be in a place where you know there's Islam going on, but I'm fine. Or there could be, a, or you might be like a sister. You don't wear hijab, yeah. yeah? And then you just come there. You can just you know, do your hair like this. You know, and I think it's no one will look at you because we've never um, had, we've never put a label on it, mm. and we've never like said specifically mm. this is for this type of person yes you know mm. um, but I was just gonna say to you and it makes me subhanallah it makes me smile like there's so many times we've been at cave and people walked in with like suitcases oh, and wow. we've been like where did you come from they're like I've just come from New Zealand oh. I've just come from um, America and right, the first right. place they've come is to cave wow. I, I, when we opened the new cave the mm. biggest center we're at now mm. I remember uh, they all give me I can't remember their names there were four brothers who came from the US and mm. they were going on to do a hike in in one of the peaks in Europe yeah and they they only had a couple hours and they came to cave, came to cave. Wow. and honestly because I because of that honor I just had to like stop yeah. you have to stop your day yes. I just gave them a tour yes give them yes. tea chat to yeah. them and I just felt like Wow, you, that's amazing. You've honored us so much. And like that was the thing with the little cave. Yeah. Like um one thing that I maybe hadn't described is when Sukina came, we took away all the furniture mm. and then we put this very like arabesque kind of floor seating. Yeah. And I think that having that kind of open enclosure where mm. there was no desks, yeah. there's no like it was floor seating. Mm. You can come and chill. Yeah. You just see us, the staff, on our laptops on the floor. Yeah. Kind of was conducive. It can be a bit in. If you're an introvert, it can sometimes be a bit scary because you're coming into a space and you're just seeing your, the staff staring at you when you open the door or sitting on the floor <laughs> with laptops. But actually, it was also kind of conducive to people like feeling so relaxed. Yeah. And that we had the sign at the door: "Leave your shoes and eager at the yeah, door." At the door. <laughs> and the, but I have to give like one like funny shout out. There, this is there was one guy, uh, a friend of ours called Akram, who's a yeah. really cool guy. I remember the first time he ever came to Cave, mm. Little Cave. Yeah. Uh, we call it Cave Classic now. Mm. He, uh, within the first two minutes, he was like lying horizontally on the floor, and I was just like, it's such a like an Akram thing, and he felt so comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, interesting. Um, Right, great, lovely, so interesting, so much, you know, so much to talk about, you know, there's so much depth in, in the cave, but can you break down the idea of third space? Um, to be honest, I, I can't say I'm like the, the most versed in what a third space is, I, I can't mm. give you like the standard definition, I'm sure we could Google it and, yeah. and it would tell you that again, like I said, it's not like it's a space away from your workplace or maybe your your another environment where mm. um, it isn't your home. Yeah. So sometimes people would include the third space being the like the library or a leisure center or right. like you know I think there is a definition for like some of the categories of like of a, like a social club. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. um, so I, I think that that's the the standard definition of it. Mm. But um, for us as as second third generation british born muslims i would say it's a space where you can kind of come and meet like-minded people Brilliant. you know if you're yeah. struggling with your faith your identity mm. your yeah you and and then sad because actually i was listening to um your podcast which mm. is really great by the oh, way i was listening so to <laughs> abdul kareem's uh talk on knife crime oh yes and he was saying that like it's really sad that the masjids um 
don't aren't you can't hold certain conversations and the mm. khutbas are like talking about like the sahabas and yeah. as what well, and we all know those stories are like poignant and beautiful yeah. but if you're not talking about the problems in society like knife yeah. crime mm-hmm. then you're not getting to the crux of the issues in society and then yeah. you lose a generation right mm. you the kids don't feel like engaged so the third space for us was about having those difficult conversations and like making people talk about things that we should be talking about in the masjid yeah. like in the time of the prophet sallam women weren't afraid to ask aisha radiallahu anha or to ask the prophet questions that were difficult Ooh. you know because we need we, our faith is all about knowledge you know so alhamdulillah that i i we do this thing at cave and uh rakeen runs it it's called soapbox sunday oh, so well. <laughs> and soapbox sunday was meant to be a, a forum for us to uh it runs under the, the cave banner but it was a, a space for us to talk about kind of controversial subjects that we felt what the mosques weren't talking about yes so things like the rise in pornography yes. violence addictions mm-hmm. to like um social media addictions mm. to um gaming mm. maybe talking about muslim celebrity yeah. uh, things like that 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 we felt like we need mm. knife crime and you know uh and they've been really successful alhamdulillah and, and, and it's so good um you know having so many you know different topics and and controversial topics you know i remember i, I can't remember what topic it was we had one topic where we asked the brother something then he started saying oh yes you know my dad I told him my dad about this and he was saying to tell you guys this blah, 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 blah. yeah that was the, that was the class so we did it uh, there were like quite a few that were really popular so the one why aren't we getting married yes for the Muslim community yeah. and then the up one was um, parents are they a help or hindrance yeah. so it was Abdul Rahman and he said that his his dad was like tell them tell <laughs> really them. cute his dad's like tell them that we're trying our best and when we when you have kids you'll understand that it's a challenge <laughs> but it, the, the conversation wasn't obviously to show that like our parents stuff and love done worse but mm. that there are things that in the society maybe mm. our parents don't understand if they're yes. not born here or like if if we're the first generation that mm. settled here you know so that, it was to provoke that kind but, of conversation but i mean but just that it itself is amazing when you think about you know how far the cave has got where you know someone's at home talking to their father mm. about you know going to this place and they're going to be discussing this topic and you know the father's like you know he wants to put his bit in you know, <laughs> fantastic so no it's been really really successful um yes yeah, so, so moving on um, so do you think roomies is the future design for mosques is this the way that uh, mosques should be all mosques should be um following um what roomies has set up That's a hard question. I mean, I I understand the place of the masjid as well. Like sometimes the masjid has to be a place where like it's a little bit more conservative because it's the adab of turning to Allah in devotion and salah. Um I I think that the masjids uh like actually there's great examples of masjids like in, in um East London, you know, alhamdulillah which are very good like mosques that you know, alhamdulillah have diverse programs where they support the homeless where they have education um um like i i don't want to say that it's that they should follow rumies but maybe there could be more conversations or more interaction with younger people like i can't say that the mosque in its totality should change what sometimes of course we have the issue with the mosques being very cultural and then you don't have the khutbah in english so really are you reaching out to the people or there's a whole generation of children who aren't going to the masjids anymore because there's a language barrier those basic things should be done like in this country like i think there should be in english you know you should you should your audience should understand what you're saying and the messages that you say in your khutbah should be relevant to the times you know the friday sermon um but i would love for for the mosques to be more uh engaging with like um with with things that are happening and another a good great example of that is Al-Manar Mosque alhamdulillah like they do uh they have so many services there for the community and i think what happened with the the Grenfell with Grenfell um really propelled the masjid to really support that community so alhamdulillah they have the traditional you know jama and, and 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 salahs but they also have advocacy and 
looking after vulnerable people in society and they um, were the ones who had so much um, support for, for Grenfell and, and were rewarded for that like they had so much um, non-perishable items and clothing so it depends on the masjids you go I, and there's some masjids that are very proactive now and yeah. I think that honestly because mashallah shakba because vision so many mosques took up that um the idea of starting kitchens yes do you know and looking after and i think that started because i was saying to you before we started the podcast that when you do something good yes people do it the people do it and it's not about competition you should want people to do it so alhamdulillah actually um Hanan, who runs uh, Children of Adam, mm. came to Rumi's kitchen, mm. and then Mashallah decided to go to Lincoln's Infield yeah. and started there. And Sufra, yes. very similarly, the managers of that, mm-hmm. and they're a massive like uh, non-perishable food bank service in Brent, mm-hmm. started at Rumi's kitchen. And it's not, a, it's not a, the the only the only like spiritual pyramid we want is the reward system we don't want we don't want the fame of like like we don't say that yeah but alhamdulillah goodness like should be replicated absolutely yeah and 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 we shouldn't be ashamed of saying that no and also as well i mean we know for example like um uh there was somebody in glasgow that was really influenced you know uh, and you know they uh, came to sort of like to talk to may- maybe be able to start, you know, a roomies cave or something up, you know, up, up in the, in the, in Scotland. Yeah, and and for us, like we, I think it's. Uh, I would love, inshallah, we get to that place where, as Muslims in Lo- in the UK, I won't just say London, we can mm. share knowledge because yes. we've been doing this for alhamdulillah ten years now, mm. and. Um, we have, we've we've had ups and downs. We've had times where we struggled with rent. We've had times where like we didn't have managers. We've had times where you know, good times and bad times. You know, and it's all a learning curve. And I think that once you are able to share like the goods and the good and the bad, you should share that information Absolutely. to people. And you know, like me and my colleague, we always talk about how we would love to train people to open up similar spaces and share some of the pitfalls how you can make yourself sustainable mm. how you what you know because we started Sakina started that that vision with creativity and poetry mm. but in a more conservative part of the UK yeah. I'm not going to tell you to start with open mic and Absolutely. upset the uncles and aunties yeah, there yeah, 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 I, yeah. they're going to think you're, you've lost it you've lost it yeah. but what you could do is you can change that and you mm. can start with food the Prophet mm. Salam said uh, you know the best of people the ones who give uh, are the ones who feed are the ones who like give charity so like um alhamdulillah and islam is feeding the food so that's that's why i think like uh, inshallah like we have to be adaptable and and understand that yeah people want to replicate the cave but the cave might not be similar if we if we train someone from abroad the cave might not be the same model in turkey it might yeah. not be the same model in South Africa, mm. it's, you're going to have to adapt to your climate. You're going to have to adapt to to the, the social needs of your community. But always, I would say that food is the most powerful thing you can. It, it's especially in a time where it's so polarizing, where Islam is um, put in the media as barbaric. Mm. There's so much Islamophobia. Uh, the Prophet Sallam, you know, the French president done with the Prophet and, and the depiction of him um, that we're all like just so shocked and disgusted by mm. you know the instead of like I obviously believe there should be like protest and, yeah. and, and a certain resilience to that but there should also be showing the real side of Islam which is care um love and respect and all the values that the Prophet Sallam stood so for empowering those who are the lesser in society supporting being compassionate to people when they don't understand you um, these things Inshallah so basically you know we, we've looked at like um, the successes of, of Rumi's and there's so much you know it, in such a short time it's meant so much to so many different people okay so mashallah and this is all the blessings of Allah but so now what are the challenges that Rumi's are now facing so that's a good question 
and I think it kind of so we were in a little cave Rumi's classics were about so from 2010 2011 to 2018 so seven eight years and we had this small little room and then we moved we bid uh, a, a temporary license for a bigger building and alhamdulillah we were awarded by Brent um, this massive 11,000 square foot building with three floors and what went so all the all the projects from like uh, Rumi's kitchen to supporting the elderly Rumi's care mm-hmm. to the creative elements like very organically grew so we were able to take the vision of like, like I'll give you an example like Rumi's kitchen was just it, it went from like services in the masjid to services in the center now mm. where you can now have like drop-in clinics yeah. you can have breakfast club for the most vulnerable in the community for the elderly and you can now have that every day so we run breakfast club now at 9 to 11 during the pandemic um alhamdulillah because Rumi's is known in the community we've been awarded by brand and people, a lot of mayors and things like that alhamdulillah uh, we will put on the brent council website as mm. the emergency food bank uh, relief uh, during the pandemic so that meant that we were getting the names of vulnerable families in the community that we were delivering to alhamdulillah and that's all through the barak and the donations of of the uh, the muslim community so yeah alhamdulillah we we have the space and we we you you know rakeen like we were there for two years and we built the the space it was a very derelict site carlton vale not kept in good condition it was an old, old adult education center and all the volunteers kind of like changed it like they painted it we yeah. had a contractor Beitullah, who helped as well mashallah built these beautiful walls um and and turned the space around and made and we didn't want a lot of people like were really worried that we were going to lose the energy of the first cave because the first cave was really special yes and everyone was like oh when you move you're going to lose it mm. i don't want to have a big building and like they were like you're going to lose that essence mm. and we had to re- and, and it's hard hearing that as well because mm. a lot of people like you want a bigger space but you're worried it's going to lose that like intimacy, mm, intimacy. And, co- and coziness yeah but you have to be creative so we actually like replicated that kind of arabesque seating downstairs and we had this open atrium that we, i said we had the contractor Beitullah who built two walls to kind of enclose it more and we just decorated it and we didn't overly decorate it because obviously we didn't want to be like frivolous with our money mm. but we wanted to be practical so we just upcycled a lot of things and again created that that enclosure that people felt and then subhanallah uh it was my intention <laughs> to go and speak to all the different dhikr groups because oh, they yes, were all like yes, renting yes, from like yes, from, from from churches and i was like yeah. why are they in the church why yeah. don't they just come here into the center so obviously idea. i spoke to you as well yes. you run the tajani dhikr, and i said idea. come to Ooh. the cave and i think all that energy and alhamdulillah everyone doing the dhikr in that mm. building um the praise of allah and of his messenger and and all the like um the the things uh, expanding created that environment once again but the challenge we have is that we that was the buildings for a temporary lease right. so alhamdulillah post covid we were having like the let's say on the weekend you have about 500 people per day that visit the center we had supplementary schools we have like you can uh, rent out rooms for workshops you like you have so many events going on and one day we have a cafeteria now alhamdulillah um but uh post-covid obviously things slowed down a lot and uh, we kept the space open for like the most vulnerable so we were doing the food packs we had breakfast club for the elderly um, but now with our temporary license, um, it, we, alhamdulillah, the building was sustainable because of all the events and stuff. Uh, but you, sometimes you struggle with the dips and peaks, but that's everyone in this time. Yeah. But now we're coming to the end of our license and we hope that we can stay in the building. Mm. But maybe I think that vision where people really struggle to see Little Cave mm. go to a center. Yeah. Like, I think, yeah. I think people now understand its bigger yeah. purpose of service in the community. Yes. Mm. So inshallah, like, if we don't keep this space, mm. and yes, it's a challenge because mm. we have to like move once again. Yes. We can actually have a space that can be our, 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 our home. Final, final abode. Absolutely, inshallah. Yeah. Made that, you know, happen. Um, but, you know, just thinking about this, what makes me 
get a little bit frustrated mm. is um, uh, thinking that we've spoken about the successes of Rumi's Cave yeah. and we've spoken about how Rumi's Cave has been such a success for the community so you know all these different um, people in the community from the homeless to um, uh, the refugees from even you know the, like, the mentally ill you know there's so many different and now um, uh, those okay who need you know relief from COVID they're all coming to the cave okay and all of this amazing work and you've been celebrated we already mentioned that earlier on from Brent um, which is the local council but so why aren't the local council giving that support to the cave? What's going on? SubhanAllah. Um, it's a tough one. Like, I was reflecting on this prior to this conversation. And I understand that a lot of councils are in... So we have this building temporarily. And unfortunately, our building is earmarked for regeneration. Mm. And what regeneration means in London is a, a, is a lot of new homes being built. Mm. Um, <clears throat> we obviously tried to petition it, not because we don't think that, that new homes aren't necessary. It was the fact that the whole area is earmarked for regeneration. We thought that the... the very little proposal of 18 flats could be built on top of other buildings other uh, buildings nearby my issue um is and 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 like i said i tried first of all i tried to be sympathetic with the council because obviously there's austerity that's happening where the councils aren't getting as much money when that labor money was coming like there was a lot of support to like you know community groups lots of the arts were supported even now in schools you find that arts like yeah, a lot of people don't have that creative space anymore yes absolutely you know there's a lot of, there's a lot of things so councils are trying to find ways to squeeze so they're selling a lot of assets off to 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 get by but with that comes like again you're losing a lot of people like the the right the the, the rise in knife crime is coming mm. because there aren't those like uh, another cream said that there isn't those community spaces right. that the children had because yes. if you sell off assets mm-hmm. in, the, in or you sell off libraries yes. and you make them homes to public or private developers yeah. like what's left what's for community left? like Absolutely. you can't just have residential blocks yeah. without an outlet for community mm-hmm. um, so like I said I understand that they're, they're pinched but are they, I think that you, if you're a, a sensible leader, yeah. you need to look at the long-term vision yes. of, of society. You can't mm-hmm. just think about um, the short term. Mm. So yes, we know that Carlton Vale, they need homes. Yeah. But personally, I think that I'm an architect. They yeah. could have designed that architect that that those those homes, those mm-hmm. 18 homes they proposed on top of the other high-rises that yes, they're building. Absolutely. And we also had to fight that those homes, were. we made sure mm-hmm. that they were for uh, low-income families. like mm-hmm. Because there was nothing in documentation at the beginning saying that they, that, that was going to be for right. high-income families. Mm-hmm. Actually, the area we're in is very lucrative. Yes. It's very close to central London. It's mm-hmm. zone two yeah. on the cusp of... Um, it's South Kilburn, so it's mm-hmm. on the cusp of Brent and Westminster. Mm-hmm and we're right on the not too far from the Maidaville Road which leads to Marble Arch so it's a very good location and you can get a lot of money for it Um, so we had to have those assurances to make sure people in the community we were looking after were protected as well Um, I wish the councils um, could continue to support local groups that have looked after the community for, for, for decades continue to protect local heritage sites mm. that are now being turned into uh, private development it's sad and I, I think that there's like I said there's a lot of different things going on and as I, I don't like to be fully critical but mm. I think that more can be done to support yes, community groups absolutely I mean I, what do you think you, no 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 because I think that if we you know you've been very very nice and diplomatic and stuff which is good and respectable. But I think that, um, you know, if Rumi's Cave goes, um, there's a whole lot of support um, that is going to go with it. It's not just, you know, I mean, those all those homeless people, where are they going to go? 
all of, you know all, all of the you know like the mentally ill, the depressed, we know where they're going to go. All of you know, like the elderly that come in the daytime, you know, where they're going to go. And also, one thing I have to sorry mm. to interrupt, I was yeah. going to say that it's not even that. Like, mashallah, in the in the pandemic, mm. alhamdulillah, we got some bursaries much later on, but the initial chunk of the money we got mm. was from the Muslim community. And this is my problem mm. with what's happening with this austerity is that a lot of charities mm. Jewish mm. Muslim Christian mm. the government has almost given that whole responsibility to the third sector especially mm. faith based organisations yeah. whereas that should still be reserved mm. a little bit for the government to yeah. support you know only now with the pandemic work mm doctors and nurses put on a platform but mm. that should have been the case weren't they just saying prior to the pandemic that they yeah. should have less pay mm. when they weren't like supporting their needs or like looking after them yeah. it, it doesn't have to take a crisis mm. to um to, to for these things to come into you know the forefront like and i'm worried for like like i was saying it takes a sensible leader to understand that we don't want riots on the street. We don't no. want our youth to be killing each other. No. We don't want the rise in prison systems. Yes. But if you keep taking away our spaces and if you keep stifling people, yes. you're not supposed. If you keep making the gap between the rich and the poor larger, yes. we will have these situations. One hundred percent. One hundred percent agree. Um, I agree. One hundred percent with you. If we keep. I'm taking these places away, these special spaces away, then, you know, there's going to be a vacuum and it's going to be, you know, taken by, you know, drug dealers, as you said. And and as as you know, um, one of the issues that we have with these, uh, with the drug dealers and the gangs is that now we, we have them where they're actually um, looking, actively looking for vulnerable children, yeah. vulnerable people to abuse, to take advantage of, to, 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 to coach them into into criminality. And I feel like this government, they their solution is gentrification. Yeah. Their solution is mm. let's move people out mm. and move them to the outskirts where we don't have to deal with it. Yeah. And that's not a solution, mm. you know, that's just moving the problem out of the city. Absolutely. Um, that's just forming ghettos. But I you know, I, I, I think that we also need to, inshallah, just be proactive, keep positive, and keep inshallah. pushing, and putting pressure on our councils to do more, and you know, have people Muslims more in political positions to support or support those that are in those positions already. I mean, um, Jazakallah Khair, Amina, Amina Babika, that's been absolutely really interesting and a very amazing journey through the life of the cave your experiences there and we learned so much and it's really good I want, I want everyone to actually make sure that they if you're not following the cave on facebook or instagram well, definitely join and you know join the tribe you know be part of the tribe definitely get yourself down there as well but so just asking you um uh, i mean is there anything else that you'd like to say any last comments before we end this uh, amazing interview I think I'd just echo what you have to say um, that uh, the cave is open to everyone yeah. in any stage it's, mm-hmm. it's uh, any age um, any walk of life mm-hmm. any ethnicity mm-hmm. uh, come and visit us there might be an event you might like yeah. if not just ha- come and have a tea lie on the floor <laughs> relax um, and if there's anything that we can support you with then inshallah it's your new abode we hope that you can follow the events we do support us or even just listen to some of the lectures of Ustad Rakeen who's leading this podcast or Shak Babika who are I would say the revivers of the heart in, in times of crisis and in times of you know there's a lot of um, sadness and darkness and a lot, a lot of like poverty that's that's happening right now a lot of people are losing their jobs a lot of people are you know, in, in, in tough times, but if you come to a space like Cable, you listen to the messages. Maybe you can get your mind, you know, back on track and, and meet a community that can understand and echo your sentiments. And, and inshallah, you can propel. So, I mean, 
Zakalak, that was amazing. Uh, amazing interview. Thank you for your time. And I hope every single person that listens to it, you know, enjoys and come down to the cave so we can see you at the cave. And I just want to say that uh, any good is from Allah and any mistakes is from myself. I mean, I mean, and on that beautiful, lovely note, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh.